on cornerofthegalaxy.com. It's time for another episode of Corner of the Galaxy from the Box, the show that gets you behind the scenes of the LA Galaxy and into the minds of soccer reporters and MLS experts. Your hosts for the day are Corner of the Galaxy's Josh Gessman and LA Times soccer reporter Kevin Baxter. Let's start the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Corner of the Galaxy on cornerofthegalaxy.com. I'm your host, Josh Gessman, another edition of Corner of the Galaxy from the box, getting ready to come at you on a Monday, February 1st. Welcome to February, everybody. This is the month the league is supposed to start, so we're going to pretend that that's actually a thing, but we're certainly going to talk about MLSPA and where they are with MLS. Uh, some, some nasty words being traded back and forth a little bit on this one. We're also going to talk to you about Christian Pavone. We have some interesting stuff on Jonathan Dos Santos, and we have an update from a Galaxy source on where the Galaxy stand right now with regards to a whole bunch of different topics. So we're going to get to all that stuff in order to help me do it is the panda himself, Mr. Kevin Baxter. Kev, how's it going, buddy? Hey, 13 days until Valentine's Day. Is is that the countdown that you're counting for or the 21 days until teams are supposed to report? Well, no, I was just going to say February is the shortest month of the year, as you know, but it's going to seem like a freaking nightmare. It's going to go on forever because of these labor negotiations. I just have a feeling February is going to feel like a very long month. Um, I don't think this is going to get wrapped up anytime soon. Yeah, it it doesn't feel like it's going to get wrapped up anytime soon, at least not in my uh, I don't know. It's not even an expert opinion at this point. I mean, you could stick your thumb up and feel the wind blowing the direction it's blowing right now, and it doesn't feel... Like I did a I did an interview with Jonathan Bond on Thursday night. If you haven't seen it, go back and watch that. I think it's uh, it's worth it about halfway into the show. So about 30 minutes in, you can watch that interview. You don't have to watch any of the rest of the stuff, although Larry and I were pretty adorable. So maybe you want to do that. Um, But I I was talking to Jonathan Bond and he was like, yeah, I asked him if it was, you know, nervous coming over and knowing that there was this labor negotiation going on, Kevin. And Jonathan Bond goes, yeah, somebody's going to have to explain that to me. I don't even understand the whole thing yet right now. And I'm like, yeah, I go, don't worry. I go. I think it's all going to work out. And of course, that was Thursday night and Friday morning. We get the release from MLS, uh, which we're going to talk about that sort of changed the, uh, the the tenor of all of that. Well, I'm with Jonathan. This is inexplicable. There's really no way to explain it. Yeah, it is, you, yeah, we're going to try. We have to try to explain it. We're going to explain well, we'll how try, it's inexplicable. It's, yeah. Okay, we we can do it. It, 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 it yeah, it doesn't make sense, and it, it, it was what's really sad, and we'll talk about this in depth in a minute. But what's really sad is when they negotiated the collective bargaining agreement a year ago. It was signed in early February of, uh, well, yeah, that's where we are now in, of of 2020. There were months of negotiation that went into that collective bargaining agreement. It was groundbreaking. There were there were additional charter flights. There was changes on free agency. The owners got some of the things they want. It was one of those perfect labor negotiations where both sides compromised. And I talked to a lot of players who came out of that 
negotiation feeling like it had been a breakthrough, like they were finally being treated as equals by the league and that there was this cooperative movement going forward where both the players and the league wanted to grow MLS and that's all been thrown away. You know, they've, they've, the, the league has threatened walkouts now or lockouts now twice in the last seven months. Um, it's not really even negotiating. It's more of a strong arm tactic, like do what we say or else. That's really not the way to build a movement going forward. No, it's not. Uh, let's get into it before we uh, completely uh, tear apart our show notes and, and all the flow that we have. But yeah, that's going to be a, a major part of what we're going to need. We, to we talk have a about. flow? Yeah, well, I do. I'm the one who has the show notes and then I talk about it and then everybody is supposed to follow me. That rarely happens. I would just like to point out. It's like out. improv on my, on my side. It's like improv, right? I just sort of react to what you throw out. That's, that's you know, I try to keep it simple, Kevin. That's, that's for everybody. For me, whenever I show up to a podcast, I like it if I just have to show up and I don't have to do anything. It's sort of like, hey, let me show up because this person is the host and they're supposed to tell me and all I have to do is talk. That's my favorite thing. That's what I try to do for you uh, every Monday is just let you show up and talk. And I do. And I show up and sometimes it makes sense. Most of the time it doesn't. There, there we go. Perfect. All right. Let's get to uh, a little soccer that was actually played. Uh, Sebastian Legette was in with the U.S. men's national team, did get the start in their 7 nothing route over Trinidad and Tobago. Both of them uh, beat them both 7 to nothing. That's that's a good that's a good country joke right there. If I if I if I've ever heard. Yeah, that. I always wondered about that. How come it's the U.S. They have to play Trinidad and Tobago. Those other guys get two countries. Yeah, that's right. They had, they they may have needed twenty two players out there in order to stop the uh, the stop the U.S. men's national well, team as well. But, but remember too, Trinidad hadn't played in fourteen months as a national team, and they're domestic league because of this whole big imbroglio with with uh, FIFA. Their domestic league hasn't played for a long time either. In fact, the the, the Trinidadian team was so out of sorts and out of fitness that uh, both teams agreed to a two-minute break uh, in the middle of each half to sort of allow the the, the, the Trinidad team to catch their breath. Um, so yeah, it wasn't really uh, it, it wasn't really Germany and England in the World Cup final. No, it wasn't, and uh, and that's okay. The, the you know the U.S. men's national team has been playing some minnows here uh, recently. As a matter of fact, they've scored more than six goals in their last three games: Panama, El Salvador, and now Trinidad and Tobago. Six two, six nothing, seven nothing. So the LA or the LA Galaxy, the U.S. men's national team, uh, thirteen and thirteen and zero in their last uh, two games, uh, or thirteen goals to zero goals allowed in their last two games, which was interesting. Here's the thing about Sebastian Legette and why we wanted to sort of focus on it. He did play. He played the first half. Uh, he played well. Um, he looked like he was a guy who was ready to sort of take up that central attacking midfielder role, Kevin, that we so often say, is that his role or is that not his role? Um, it, it's it's one of those interesting things. But with the U.S. men's national team, he seems to, at least right now, against these minnows in the format that the U.S. men's national team is playing, has has sort of looked like the guy who has who upped his level a little bit. Well, yeah, and Greg Berhalter talked about that a little bit after the game. You know, Sebastian Legez is the only player that was called up to all four uh, games last year. They only played four games and because of COVID in 2020. And then he's called up to this one. Um, and, and in those four games last year, there were two domestic team uh, games uh, in 2020, and there were two games in Europe. And Sebastian Legez was called up for all four of those again. Um, so Greg Berhalter was asked, are there some players of this domestic pool that can play you know, with the regular first team, this, as you said, this was not the regular first team. The majority of these players were guys that are, are going to be with the Olympic trials team, the U23 team that would go to the Olympics. Very few senior national players here. None of the guys that you would project as being on the regular first team roster, you know, the Christian Polisics and, and uh, uh, you know, Weston McKinney's and those guys 
Uh, but he talked a little bit about Sebastian Legit and said he, that he very much thinks that Greg Berhalter very much thinks Sebastian Legit is part of that European-based first team. He also talked about pa Paul Ariola, who now is a European-based player. We'll talk about that in a minute. And Walker Zimmerman, the center back, also part of that team. Those those were basically the three guys that, that Berhalter singled out as guys that will compete for roster spots for World Cup qualifying. There's eight World Cup qualifiers this fall, and Sebastian Legit as of right now, is in the picture for that. He did play very well. He was dangerous on a couple of chances, but it was really, you know, it was really kiddie night. Um, a lot of guys getting their debuts, uh, uh, three guys with two goals, including Areola. Right. So Sebastian did, did not find the score sheet, but but as you said, did play a good game, was dangerous, you know, considered the competition, but came away impressing the boss enough that he may wind up getting called at a, at a training camp in March. The U.S. national team is supposed to have a couple of friendlies in Europe in March. Yeah, it, it, again, something to watch uh, as his confidence building. Really, the LA Galaxy, uh, with him on a targeted allocation money contract, a TAM-level contract, needs Sebastian Legette to be productive. He was productive last year. Um, nobody can deny that. He had one of his, uh, his, his career years, really, whenever you look at the amount of goals he scored and just how he played. However, I would say that if you were watching those games, that a lot of that was sloppy. Now, the team was sloppy, too. Um, but Sebastian Legette a lot of times played in whatever position he wanted to play in and not necessarily a position that the, the LA Galaxy needed. I think a lot of that had to do with coaching. I think he was trying to find the rhythm, uh, trying to find uh, the places that he would fit into, Kevin. And it just, you know, for whatever reason, hey, it worked well for him individually, but I never felt like he was a real integral part of that team. But I don't think that team was ever really an integral part of itself um, over the last uh, last year, year and a half. So uh, it's well, yeah. It, one it's, of the folks. One of the Fox broadcasters last night on the national team broadcast said that Sebastian Legette was the Galaxy's best player in 2020. I, I really don't think that's true. Obviously, Christian Pavone was the best player, and the guy who played every minute and led the team in goals and assists. Sebastian Legette, you could argue, might have been the second best player. And you're right. He was a guy that was sort of freelancing, trying to find his spot, see where he fit in, and and plug some holes. And there was a lot of holes to plug. So, you know, I did see feel like he was roaming around the field lost for a good part of last season. And, and that's not his fault. Again, it's the coaching. Where am I supposed to be? What am I supposed to do? What do you want from me in this formation and this strategy, this playing style? I don't think that was ever clear. And I think Sebastian was trying to find his role with Greg Berhalter. There is no guesswork. Everybody knows exact, almost to the point of where are my feet supposed to be? Not right. what part of the field am I supposed to be in? And I think Sebastian is, he's playing well. I think he, he is, he's coachable. This is the point, I guess, is that tell me what to do, what you want from me and let me go do it. And I think he's doing that now. Yeah. So uh, that was interesting. The other interesting part of this is uh, another LA Galaxy player, Julian Araujo, was in this camp and got recalled to this camp. And I think we told you on Thursday night, I think we knew it on Thursday night, maybe we didn't, um, but that Julian Araujo did not dress for this game. He had some type of illness was the uh, was the report out of that, Kevin. Uh, and it seems like, it, unfortunately for him, it was just came at the wrong time because, uh, again, a chance for to get his second cap, uh, some more time with that U.S. men's national team, the senior side, um, and and he doesn't he isn't able to uh, to dress for the game. So Julian Araujo was selected on this team, was going to be able to play in this game, and uh, him, I know the focus wasn't on Julian Araujo, it was on Josie Altidore, who had a uh, an injury that was two weeks ago and very minor and probably not the reason he didn't play. Uh, because there was some transfer rumors going around with Josie Outdoor, but but um, Julian Araujo was on the other side of that of a guy who was not able to dress and not able to play. 
Yeah, and Araujo now three call-ups to the national team, at least three. I, I count three, uh, and it's only had the one cap, and that's a little disappointing when you get called in that camp and you work out and you do the trainings for two or three weeks in, in, in the case of this camp. You really want to end it with an appearance in a game and show the coaching staff you learned what they were trying to teach you, and it's unfortunate that he didn't get to do that. Yeah, so uh, I still think he's in their, uh, certainly in their sights, and they're looking at him for that U23 side, the Olympic qualifying side. If there's Olympics, which is still a question mark, but we're going to pretend right now. We're going to pretend that there's an MLS season and that preseason starts on February 22nd, and we'll pretend that there are Olympics coming up this summer in in Tokyo, uh, Kevin. I think that's the only way we can sort of go about it until they until they start canceling this stuff, right? All right, maybe we can, lost. but I think I think we might be surprised. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. Like we lost you there for a second, Kevin, but you're back now, so we're 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 good. Um, I am. Yes, you, you you're Did still you miss there. Me? Not really. Me? No, no. We we were having oh, a nice okay. conversation without you, actually. Um, I bet. F- let's get to uh, some fake reports and then maybe a little bit more real report, um, both on Christian Pavone. So there was a rumor that came out early today that basically said, listen, this account had only like three tweets before it. I actually retweeted it at once and was like, oh, this is interesting. And then went back and looked a little bit and deleted that real quick and was like, no, 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 we're not, we're not going to do that. But I wanted to point out the, the, the fake one, um, which was during this crazy last sort of transfer window brush. And by the way, the windows close at different times all around the, uh, the, the country, all around the world. Uh, I don't even think MLS's window is open yet. I think it opens here in just a couple of days, if I remember correctly, and then it runs all the way through May. Now, that doesn't mean because all these teams are in offseason, they can add people to their teams. They just can't officially register them until the windows open up. That's the uh, that's the idea behind this. But with all of the, the crazy European and, and specifically EPL and Scottish League, uh, with those transfer windows closing uh, today, if you watched any of the transfer coverage, that was it was a disappointing transfer season or transfer window across the world. Understand, this isn't a localized thing with COVID. The COVID across the world, really, the numbers are way down. Numbers of players are way down. All those things that we had been telling you were the case. This is this is still the case all around all um, all around the world. Well, well, we talked, I think, last week that the transfer market for 2020 was down 23.4 percent in Europe. Or maybe that's worldwide, 23.4%, so down a quarter. Um, and spending year over year was down for the first time since 2010. It was lower than the 2017 level. So, yeah, it is affecting everybody all over the world. Why? Because there's no money. The, the teams are not having fans come to their games. Revenue from TV broadcasting are down. Teams just don't have any money to spend. And so, if you know, when they do spend, it's very, very it's hyper focused on one or two players. It's not this, this, you know, clubs bringing in 10 and 12 guys for big contracts anymore. Um, they're looking to fill one or two holes and, and hoping to get through this season and get onto the next one where maybe things will get back to normal. But yeah, because of that, it, actually, I think it benefited MLS in some ways because some of the players that they could get here are useful players that probably come at a much cheaper price than if, uh, say Manchester city tried to get somebody from the, the from Italy or from Germany. It's, the, the price is going to be more reasonable coming from MLS. Certainly, and there was a, a glut of those. But one of the reports that came out was uh, that Christian Pavone was close to being on the move to San Lorenzo, uh, which is another Argentine club, uh, and that it was going to be an 18-month loan deal. And with and and you know everybody sort of got spun up there for a couple minutes while we while we looked at it. Here's why. 
immediately there were some red flags after I retweeted it and sort of was like, hey, this is why would it be an 18 month loan deal? Christian Pavone's contract expires with Boca Juniors on June 30th, 2022, according to Transfer Market. So that 18 month loan deal would have taken them to the expiration of the contract date, um, which is interesting if you're a team like Boca Juniors trying to get the most out of this asset, Kevin. Yes, you can recall during the loan, but it's unlikely you're going to loan all the way through the period where you're trying to move the player, right? And we sort of talked a little bit about Jonathan Dos Santos on Thursday night and why the LA Galaxy may start starting to, to want to move him because he has, you know, roughly 18 months um, left on a contract or, you know, 20 or 24 months. So in the next, you know, year, year and a half is the time when you need to move him because once it's six months out, there's no real benefit to moving a player then because teams can just wait the six months in order to get the player for free. That's sort of the idea with some of these things. And so that sort of hit some red flags. And then if you go back and look and just sort of see the tweet history on this particular one, it was, it was fake. So we, we won't say anything on that. We'll, we'll sort of, I just wanted everybody to know that I saw it. It's fake. We're going to move on to the more real rumor. Uh, well, on wait a minute. You, you said you weren't going to say anything on that. You just said a lot on it. Yeah. Well, I wanted, well, Yes, you're correct. Correct. I wanted to clear. And by the, the way, air. when you started, when you started to say we're going to do some fake reports, I thought you'd been reading my stuff again, and then I'm glad to see it wasn't my no my no, story. No, this time it wasn't yours. Um, although there's okay. plenty of plenty of fake reports around in in the galaxy yeah. universe right now, so maybe we'll stumble across across a, a one that has you in it. Um, here's here's what we're going to call the more real report on Christian Pavone, which is which is funny. Um, this was this was tweeted out by a radio and TV station that does cover Boca, and so it's a little bit uh, more real whenever you look at this. Although I will say that things coming out of Argentina don't necessarily have to be based in fact whatsoever in order for any of this to go anywhere. Um, but basically, the the gist of this rumor was that Boca rejected in recent days an offer of $6 million from the LA Galaxy for Christian Pavone. Uh, Raquel May did not accept it because it is very far from the original purchase option that was $20 million. The player will be operated on for the injury to his ankles. Apparently, he has two injured ankles, and, and we've sort of talked about this uh, before, but two injured ankles, and they're discussing whether or not he needs to have surgery on them and whether or not that's going to happen. Um, that seems to be a real thing. At least it's been real for the last couple of weeks um, as things have sort of progressed with Christian Pavone. The $6 million, though, Kevin, I, I know in this it says it seems low. It seems low from what we also sort of thought, too, because we had heard reports of somewhere between 8 and $10 million being offered by the LA Galaxy uh, for Christian Pavone. We knew the $20 million. Listen, if they're going to cancel this, if, if they're not accepting this because it's not near the $20 million, then they better get used to Christian Pavone being in, in you know, their blue and gold there uh, at Boca because nobody's right now is going to approach that $20 million. And I would say that if you they get half of that, uh, right now that they did a pretty good bit of work for uh, for Christian Pavone in this market right now. Well, the as you said, the English transfer window just closed. Nobody was offering $20 million for him. Nobody was offering $10 million or they would have taken it. Uh, we know that the, the, the price now from this report, we know the price now is $6 million. Um, if they were getting more than that, you know, he would be playing for Arsenal or he'd be in Serie A or somewhere else now. So the point is the market for Christian Pavone seriously seems to have dried up. Um, my understanding was the Galaxy were always going willing to pay between eight and ten million dollars. The story about the six million dollar offer could very well be true and could fit in with all of this. Um, if the Galaxy's best offer is going to be eight or ten, you don't start there because it gives you no room to to negotiate. 
the Galaxy very well could have offered six million and and stuck at that figure for a couple of weeks, waiting to see what happened with the transfer market. Uh, now that the transfer window is closed, you know maybe that that six million dollars has become the opening offer. I don't expect it to stay there. I I, I believe the Galaxy understand that Christian Pavone is going to cost them more than that, but. It, I mean, that report could be true. That could be the opening offer, and we'll move from there. The Galaxy is not going to give their best offer as the first one. The other part of that 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 makes me wonder, ankle thing, um, I, I just can't get beyond the fact that it seems to be some sort of negotiating ploy. I, I don't know what else it could be, and, and but I don't understand how it works. If he gets his ankles cut on, that means – that the galaxy may not want him uh, anymore if he's going to miss the beginning of the season, or they may want him at a discounted price, or maybe that's focus saying he's going to stay here. But I don't understand it from Pavone's side because whichever team he's trying to land with not being able to play at the start of that agreement, whether it's a loan or whether it's a return to Boca, not being able to play at the start of that doesn't make him a very valuable guy. And it takes away a lot of his leverage. If he knew he had these ankle problems, he played his last game in November why is he in February now still talking about the possibility of having surgery? Don't you think you would have taken that up before Christmas or at least very early in the new year? Maybe he couldn't because of negotiations. I don't know. I don't know how all that works. But it just seems strange that the ankle thing is coming up now when we're getting to the point where negotiations are, are, are beginning to heat up and it's two months, two and a half months after he played his last game. Yeah, it, there's something about the the ankle thing that just doesn't sit right with me right now, Kevin. I I'm I, I don't know if it's I, that I don't believe it. It's just that it, maybe I don't believe the convenience of it. Um, I I I certainly don't trust the sourcing on it. I mean, I, I'll tell you, most of the reports that come out of Argentina, I can't trust, um, and most of them have some real issues there. Let's. You know, see, this is this is the prerogative of the host, Kevin, is that I can switch things up whenever I want to. And I told you that we weren't going to talk about this next subject next because I wanted to draw it out a little bit longer. But we're 21 minutes into the show now. And I feel like if we skipped over this particular part, that it just it, it wouldn't make any sense. So I'm on the edge of my seat. What is this? Yes. Part? So anyway, so I was able to reach out to a galaxy source and as of uh, Friday night, sort of gain some clarification on some issues uh, around the LA galaxy. So uh, here is your, I wish we had some cool music or something like that, that I could, uh, that I could play or, or do something like I could, I could, I could do a little bit of like dramatic stuff. I have reached out to the galaxy source. Um, and now see, it just, it's, it's too dramatic for me. It I sounds like Jaws. Yeah. It sounds like Jaws. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I, I reached out to the galaxy source and was able to gain some clarification on some of these things that are, that are going on with the LA galaxy and it's multi-part. So let's get to Christian Pavone because that's the part that we were just talking about. So I'm going to update you on it. Uh, the galaxy are, and have been in no rush to secure Christian Pavone. There's simply no timetable for them right now that would have them under any sort of crunch. The fact that the UK window just closed, and we talked about this, Kevin, and, and this is this is a true and accurate representation, I believe, of where the galaxy are at right now as well, is when that when that European slash UK, you know, slash the 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 other side of the world there, when that transfer window closed, that was a lot of leverage for the LA Galaxy to gain back because everybody was always talking about Christian Pavone and how he was going to get all these offers from everywhere and $20 million was a bargain. So all the people that wanted to pay $20 million for Christian Pavone right now, knowing, and and you know people stated this as fact, that other teams were going to come after him, where, where were all those offers? He was certainly on the trade block. Everybody knew that. Um, so 
you know, Arsenal could have come in, you know, they were going to pay $40 million. So they could have got them for $15 million if they wanted to, Kevin. So um, you look at this on the Pavone side um, and the Galaxy are just simply not in a rush to do it. Not only, and, and I need to also clarify, they want him. They still want Christian Pavone, and there are questions about whether or not they should want him, um, certainly with sexual assault allegations, now with maybe the, the surgery issues as well. Um, and it's fairly clear that Christian Pavone definitely wants to come back to the LA Galaxy as well. So at least that's how the LA Galaxy see it. Um, but I've been told many, many times here, Kevin, that it needs to be at an affordable, at a reasonable price. It has to fit within their budget. It has to be something that's good for the LA Galaxy. And every time I talk to these people, it is all about over and over again, the economic crisis that has been hit by football clubs because of COVID-19. There is not a conversation I have with the LA Galaxies talking about specific players um, that aren't about the crisis that's going on. So they're, they're having to be very, very smart about where they spend their money. I would say that the LA galaxy are feeling the financial crunch just as much as everybody else is across the world. And because of that, I think more, yeah, more, I mean, what, what, what does AEG, the parent company of the galaxy, what do they do? They're an entertainment company. They have the LA Kings and stuff here that we know, but you know, the, the O arena in London, they put on shows, Coachella, none of those things are happening. That, that's been dark for, for 10 months now. So, Firstly, no income to AEG for 10 months. And yes, they had some money stored away, obviously, but now is not a time when you go out and spend. And, and you know, what you're saying about Pavone is, is, is really interesting because I think the Galaxy, you're right, the Galaxy really want him, but I also think they're very comfortable with walking away yes. rather than overpaying. Yes, I, I, and I think and I, that's important because uh, there were people today sort of talking about why aren't the Galaxy just walking away from Christian Pavone? There seems to be too many red flags, the whole deal. Well, right now, the Galaxy are sort of sitting in that hover position, Kevin. They're sort of like, hey, you know, and that's why maybe the $6 million deal makes sense. They said, you know what? Listen, we're going to help you out. We'll give you $6 million for him and we'll take him off your hands and, you know, we'll make this done. He's got problems. There's, you know, these sexual assault allegations. He's got some problems with his ankles. You know, you don't have to deal with that if you sell him right now to us for $6 million. Yes, it was $8 million or $10 million just a little while ago, but a little while ago, you thought you were going to get $20 million for him. You're not going to get $20 million for him. So, I think that the galaxy are in that hover mode, which is we can take him or leave him. We're absolutely not going to be desperate. That's why I almost question whether or not there was an offer, Kevin, because it doesn't seem it almost seems like that's a it not a desperate move, but like, you know, you're sticking it to Boca. And I don't think the galaxy even need to stick it to Boca. I think they just want Boca to realize that there is a reasonable price to be had and they will pay that reasonable price and everybody will move on. Unfortunately, I think Boca thinks that reasonable price is like 14 or 15 million dollars. Uh, and the galaxy think that reasonable price is right around eight to 10 million. I'm guessing that's where it, it, it ends up. Um, here's the here's the complete rub on that, though, to kind of to, to totally finish that thought, you said, Kevin, and rightfully so, that maybe the Galaxy could walk away from this. I'm being told that the Galaxy have many different people in mind, and it's not all the eggs in the Christian Pavone basket. Um, that, and, and you can say, oh, well, I'm sure, yeah, that's what they're going to say to people. I, I firmly believe the LA Galaxy are not sort of saying, well, it's Christian Pavone or we die. You know, it's just that's just not it. One, it wouldn't be smart. And two, certainly you wouldn't see Greg Vanny coming into that situation and being put in that situation either. Um, so for Christian Pavone, well, let's look at that from, go ahead. Let's look at it just for a second from Boca's point of view and how badly they appear to have screwed this up. What if they had started negotiating with the Galaxy in September 
um, when it looked like maybe things might be returning to normal to before by the start of the season in, in MLS when Pavone was in that streak where he scored in what like six or seven straight games and uh, we were talking about him as an uh, MVP candidate um, before the sexual assault allegations which again allegations we don't know much more beyond that before the ankle issues um, what if the, you know they had negotiated then? It would seem to me that they were in a much stronger position. The Galaxy might have paid. It certainly would have paid more than six million. But Boca decided to string this thing out. Now the transfer window's closed. The, the Galaxy know that they're basically um, um, competing against themselves for this player. There's the sexual assault allegations, the ankle problems. He's not the player he was. He ended the season, I thought, in, in rather poor form. Um, you know, a, a lot of money have come in my mind. A lot of money has come off the table. I, he's just not as valuable. I'm not saying he's not as good. I'm not saying he can't re, re, uh, regain that form. I'm just saying the player we saw in September was not the player we saw in November, which is not the player that that they're offering now. And and I think that's a big reason why the price has dropped. And again, I think the Galaxy are whether there's an option or not. I think the Galaxy in the current uh, environment, uh, you know, economic environment, and where their roster is. This is not in my mind a roster that's going to compete for an MLS Cup. It's not a season that necessarily Christian Pavone is going to make or break. I think the Galaxy are really comfortable walking away. They'd love to have him. He makes the team better. He's going to help bring some players along. He's a young enough player that it could be part of the future. But if you know if it means uh, destroying the franchise, they're just not going to do that. So, uh, we, you know, that sort of puts a, a little bit of a bow on the Christian Pavone rumors in terms of how that uh, how I, I think the LA Galaxy are seeing it. And according to sources, that's that's sort of where they're sitting. So uh, when you see people talking about Christian Pavone, understand that, yes, the LA Galaxy are interested and they're going to be there and they're going to be watching. Um, but they can also move on at any time, too. And they have other um, other players in mind as well. Of course, I don't get like names, but they have other players. They, they know that they do. They know that there's other options there. And so they will continue to look and continue to search. Here's, here's, here's a fun one. Let's kill a rumor because it was already killed last week. So let's kill it dead completely. Uh, there is nothing and has never been anything to the Giovinco rumors. Sebastian Giovinco. Although yes. they are looking for a central attacking midfielder. That's pro one of the people on their, on their radar. It's just not, it's just not Sebastian Giovinco, and it never has right. been Sebastian Giovinco. Um, you know, sort of told specifically that uh, he's a great talent, uh, certainly a, a great player in Major League Soccer, but he's 34 years old and not a player the Galaxy are looking at. Okay, that's pretty simple, um, and that's pretty straightforward. Sebastian Giovinco is not coming to the LA Galaxy. It was nice because it was fun because he knew Greg Vanny because it is a central attacking midfielder role. Um, it, it was a lot of those things. And by the way, uh, the LA Galaxy. And, and and talking to people, I was able to talk a little bit about a central attacking midfielder and ask that question. Um, is this, is this, is the the cam is the cam coming? Um, and that type of thing. They, I'll tell you, they're hopeful that they're going to be able to find one. Um, I think it has to check some boxes for them, Kevin. Um, and, and the boxes that were sort of discussed with me are a versatile attacking player. They can play on the wing or even behind a striker. So not just somebody who can play in the middle, but somebody who can also play out on the wide and also somebody who can play possibly as a second striker. Now you can get that in 
you know, a central attacking midfielder and an offensive playmaker, a number 10, somebody who can shift into those different things. But that is what the LA Galaxy are looking for. And it's not just going to be a dedicated central attacking midfielder. This is going to be somebody who can plug into different places. And I think you have to have that, Kevin, when you look at Sebastian Legette, who's probably also going to be asked to play in the central midfield and then probably bounce out to the wings as well. Uh, I was told well, if you uh, sign, yeah, go ahead. If you sign a central attacking midfielder, if you sign a, uh, what'd you call him? A, a Sam? Uh, yeah, a Sam. Yeah. Cam? Or a Cam. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Cam. Could you use Tam or Jam to buy the Cam? Yes, you could. Absolutely. Um, but I, 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 the the deal here You're is... You're just going to let that go? That's the I'm, I am. I've, I've, the that. <laughs> he, that, <laughs> listen, I've had that joke. Is, we've done that joke, I think, probably many times. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> so I'm used to it. It's it's not that it's not funny. It's just I'm used to it. So, um, But I will say this as well. You know, there were rumors out there that the LA Galaxy had the central attacking midfielder and that they were going to bring one in. I was told specifically the Galaxy are monitoring a few of those people on the list right now. Um, so there is no one target that they have picked out that they're going to do. Uh, it is with all the incoming transfers to the LA galaxy right now, they're working hard on it. I know that I've talked to people, they're busy, they're looking, they're scouting. You have to understand though, with travel restrictions, it's incredibly difficult to scout these guys, to meet with these guys, um, to sort of do that. And Kevin, you and I have already always talked about how, you know, if you're going to sign somebody, you kind of need to see them play in person. Right. I mean, that's one of those things that's usually the the golden rule as you go and you wait and you watch and you're going to see them play. And you're like, yeah, that's the guy I want. That's not really a possibility right now. One, because of, you know, the quarantine restrictions and just trying to go to different places. So the scouting has been a really big challenge. But for sure, players are coming there. The LA Galaxy will make some moves. They have to one because they don't really have a starting team right now. Um and two is that they they're planning on that. So there is stuff coming. I would expect to see signings. I know it's quiet. Um, I think we're going to get an announcement, Kevin. You and I were talking, but we feel like there's going to be an announcement this week on the coaching staff that's coming out with Greg Vanny, and so you're going to see that. Um, one we of the, know Kevin Hart is part of that staff. Yep, and that came through uh, with our interview with Jonathan Bond. He mentioned Kevin, and of course we uh, we were able to confirm that as well. So uh, Kevin Hartman will be the goalkeeper coach. Uh, we we were told that uh, it, it'll probably be. Uh, a lot of uh, TFC West, Toronto FC West. Uh, so expect uh, some of those names that you've seen uh, with Toronto FC uh, to also be coming over to the LA Galaxy as well. Greg Vanny trying to, I would imagine, keep a pretty intact coaching staff. Yeah, we don't know what's going on with Dominic Kinnear. He apparently is signed. He'll be part of the franchise in some. You respect. you say that? I, you say that? I don't. I don't agree with that. I could see him disappearing. You think they're going to buy him out. I don't know that they're going to buy him out, but they'll continue to pay him. He just won't. He just won't be there. I. As of right now, there doesn't seem to be a spot for Dominic Kinnear on Greg Vanny's coaching staff. Um, no, I, I mean, yeah. I think he'd be a scout. I, I think he'd do, do, do some scouting. He could do some other things, work with maybe the academy guys. I, I just see Dominic, if generally the way these things work, and I don't know how his contract is, but generally the way the, these things work and why you you wound up seeing, say, for example, Kurt Anoffel not take a job for a while after he was let go, is there is a non-compete clause, meaning we will pay you your contract. Jurgen Klinsmann had one of these with the national team. You will get your con- – if we fire you, you get paid until you take another job. When you take another job, that ends. So you have a situation where you essentially get a year's free vacation. Um, I would assume Dominic Kinnear has something like that. If, you're, if, we, if, if we hire your replacement, which they did – then you get your contract until it runs out, unless you get another job. And Dominic is a, he's a gym rat, you know, when it comes to soccer. And so I, I, I see him 
wanting to take the money, obviously everybody would, but uh, wanting to be involved in somehow in some way, you know, uh, Dan Kennedy did that when um, the galaxy retired him as a player. Um, you know, he took a front office job. Dominic Kinnear is on a much different level and, and deserves a much different role. But I don't know. I, unless he had an offer to go somewhere as a coach and that, that other team met the contract demands he has with the Galaxy, he wouldn't lose any money. I could definitely see that as an option. I think he wants to be a coach again. But if they were saying, look, we'll give you the money, you can stay home or you can come in. I think Dominic's the kind of guy would want to come in. I don't yeah. know. Maybe I'm wrong. He, no, I mean, you, you could be right. I just I'm not seeing it this time. Uh, I think that that Dominic might take a year off and go and sit with his feet up and get paid and, and be perfectly happy doing that. Um, or he's going to come in and, like you said, maybe he has a scouting or front office job or something like that. Maybe he gets to work with the Academy. Um, there's a whole bunch of things you could do with LA Galaxy 2 or anything else like that. So there's options there. I just, uh, as of right now, it seems like, and, and I've I've been sort of tipped off on that, that Dominic here won't be part of this coaching staff. Who knows? I could be wrong. That could be a wrong thing. I don't want to be 100% no, I, I don't certain. think he's going to. I don't think he's going to be part of the coaching staff. I don't think I, so I definitely either. think, I mean, for one thing, uh, and I'm, I'm not saying Greg Vanny is the kind of guy that looks over his shoulder. I don't think that at all. But when you have the the third winningest coach in MLS history on your coaching staff, it's hard not for people not to consider him the head coach in waiting. And the last thing you want when you're a new coach with a new staff is to have a guy that you think or that other people think are looking over your shoulder. Yeah. Um, you know, the other part of this whole break, and that was the the coaching announcement, I do think there's going to be player announcements. Uh, the other part of this sort of quiet time that we're in right now, Kevin, with not a lot of players coming in, um, with with not a lot of announcements being made, I know Galaxy fans are restless and, and everything else, um, but I, I think it's important to understand what's happening during this quiet time. Uh, Greg Vanny is getting a chance to get acclimatized. He's getting a chance to go over all the players the LA Galaxy have had in mind and wanted to bring in. And Greg Vanny gets to go and he gets to scout these guys however he can, you know, via video or talk to him on the phone or however it is. And so Vanny now gets to be involved in all these decision making uh, decisions that are being made. And I think up until this point, even with, uh, you know, Jonathan Bond, I think that was more a Dennis Teclosa than it was, you know, Greg Vanny. And so uh, what you're seeing now is Greg Vanny getting caught up getting up to date on all this stuff and getting ready to make decisions. I also think that this quiet time is in direct relation to the current CBA negotiations, which we're going to talk about here in a second. Um, and so there's, there's, there's a lot to go for this in terms of, uh, you know, just being patient. I think if anything, if you're going to say one word, this entire off season and into the preseason and into this league, uh, this league year, hopefully starting in what April, I think April, April 3rd and 4th. Um, if all of that goes well, it's going to, you're going to have to have patience with all this stuff building all the way to that, because we're sort of in uncharted territories when it comes to COVID and the financial hit that all this has caused and the travel hit that all this has caused and just the scouting. It's a disruption to the entire system. Well, and, and here's some more. I mean, first of all, the Galaxy roster, I think, is at 23 now. they got seven to go, and it's not by any means finished. I think the back line looks pretty good. I think you have two goalkeepers that will compete. I think the midfield, a lot of holes left up front, a lot of holes left depth-wise, a lot of holes left. They have a lot of work to do to turn uh, this roster into a team. I don't think it's a team right now. I, I, as you mentioned, I think you'd have a hard time putting together a decent starting lineup right now. So they have some work to do there, but what you're talking about the timing, um, you know, when Greg Vanny came in, we had no idea when training camp would even start. I don't think we found that out right until last week. Right. They said February 22nd. So 
imagine you're Greg Vanny, you're coming in, or any coach, you're trying to build your team, you're working things out, you're trying to get some transfers. Um, you know, DC United just lost Paul Ariola, Sounders just lost Jordan Morris. Um, you're trying to build your team, but you don't even know building your team for when. When are you going to begin training camp? And then all of a sudden they say training camp starts in three weeks. Now all of a sudden you've gone from that dead period where you you had no direction to, oh my God, we've only got three weeks to finish putting this team together to uh, get everyone into the into the city, quarantine so they could start camp on the first day. Now all of a sudden it's a rush. Then these labor negotiations screech to a halt. And now we're back up saying, with the ownership saying, we may lock players out. So it may not be February 22nd. It may not even be in February, but it may be. So you have to be ready. Right. And then the flip side to that is, let's say they do decide that they haven't reached the agreement and they do move to lock everybody out. But then on February 15th, there's an agreement reached and MLS says, yeah, we're back to February 22nd. Now you're back into hurry up mode again. I mean, this is just a real unstable time. Um, I'm not really sure whether this helps Greg Vanny or not in the sense that, um, you know, he's making it up as he goes along. Anyways, it, it may actually be a slightly better position than maybe a coach that's been around a long time uh, and is having trouble adapting. Greg Vanny is in that adaptation mode right now. Uh, he may be a little more steeled to make this happen, but I'm just trying to put my myself in the position of some of these coaches who they don't have a target. They do have a target. The target's taken away. They're, they're rushing. To, they, they're not under any time constraints. Then they're rushing to get things finished. Then the rugs pulled out from under them. It's got to be a really difficult time. Yeah, it, it, it's funny because I sort of see I see I see this uncertainty benefiting two groups of teams in Major League Soccer. I think it benefits the the quote unquote bottom dwellers right now. And the LA Galaxy are one of those um, in just in terms of they don't have a set roster. It's not going to disrupt sort of the roster building that they've already tried because really they're, they're starting from the ground up again. So I, I think any any moves they make and their ability to be patient through this, uh, which means that maybe you don't have all of your guys in camp and ready to go by the time this thing actually starts, supposedly in April and the transfer window closes in May. Um, so you can still bring people in. And then the the fact that this was a muted transfer window and really the summer transfer window, hopefully on the as as COVID sort of starts to die off a little bit and the money starts circulating, players start moving around all of their the euros and everything else that are sort of going in World Cup qualifiers. So maybe people don't move. It, there's a lot of uncertainty. The other team, the other thing that I think this helps is a team like Columbus, who has certainly been reinforcing their MLS, their, their team as MLS Cup defenders this year um, have been putting some solid pieces into the where you need to reload for our you know title defense um, on this. So I think that those are the two groups. If you're in the middle, I think it kind of gives you maybe uh, some disadvantages there. You can't really build and replace pieces because pieces aren't really moving. Uh, and if you're, you know, you just need a couple pieces to sort of make things happen. It's tough to sort of be patient with that. Um, whereas the LA Galaxy need to make some progress this year. But, you know, if they uh, if they just barely make the playoffs, they it was a pretty successful year in terms of turning things around from a year that was pretty dismal. So uh, really interesting. We got to talk about it because we've been we've been hinting at it so much. But with the MLS and MLSPA uh, sort of in this in these negotiations, we said on Friday, basically, that MLS came out with a statement uh, and it, it was the all the, it was the super positive. I was all excited. I'm like, see, they're going to extend it and everything's going good because they said uh, Major League Soccer met with MLSPA and players yesterday to continue discussions on how to address the ongoing impact of COVID-19 pandemic. Um, 
although we remain far apart and I saw, as soon as I read that, I'm like, really, do you think you're that far apart? Because with the counter offer coming in from the players, it was, Hey, we don't want to extend it by two years. We want it one year. And then there's a little, some tweaks to some, some free agency that we want as well. Um, and there, but basically MLS says, you know, even though we remain far apart, we will extend the 30 day negotiating period by one week to provide every opportunity to finalize an agreement as part of the extension MLS and the MLSPA are con- committed to a regular schedule of meetings over the coming days. That's really cool. And it sounded like everybody was saying kumbaya, even though then the league started to go ahead and throw some shade at things like talking about structural changes. And when they said that basically MLS's offer provided no structural changes, what they were talking about was the free agency change that the players were were sort of requesting with that. They're saying, no, no, everything's going to remain the same. We just need to extend it out, you know, a couple of years. And we've talked a lot about why they want to extend it with the with the World Cup and the go- negotiating power and all that. Here's the kicker, though. Uh, And this is buried basically in the last paragraph towards the bottom. It says, if we are unable to finalize a new CBA by 1159 p.m. Eastern time on February 4th, the MLS Labor Committee has voted unanimously to authorize the league to terminate the CBA and institute a lockout. So, Kevin, all of that nice things that sort of were building in the front and it started started to turn a little bit in the middle. There was a little bit of shade being thrown back and forth. And you're sort of like, OK, what's the what's the thing sort of falls off a cliff when it says, oh, by the way, we're already ready to lock you out. We don't care what these negotiations say. We don't care if we suddenly, you know, come a lot closer. If it's not done, you're locked out. You've been put on notice in the middle of a pandemic. That's what we want to do. Well- well, there's. I just think the league has so mismanaged this thing. First of all, you know when they uh, brought in the clause that had 30 days to work out a new CBA, they didn't have to do that. They could have talked. They didn't need that deadline of the 30 days, but they decided to use that force majeure clause to do this. Um, I think the union was very unhappy with that. Like, just come talk to us. Uh, the MLS has, throughout these negotiations, have tried to use. Uh, the public, uh, to bring the public over to their side, and it hasn't worked. They've tried to negotiate through the media uh, or, and through the public by sending out tweets and, and other, uh, you know, memorandum that that a lot of it hasn't been true or at least hasn't t- told both sides. When you hear that the player, first of all, the players, they made $110, $150 million, I believe, in concessions last year. They took pay cuts. They froze bonuses. They did a lot of things. Uh, they froze the increase in the salary cap. The players made a lot of concessions last year and then they went and played a season in which almost 20 percent of the player pool were tested positive for covid so they literally did put their lives on the line to get the last season and this these are the players um so mls comes back and they said we want some more concessions um the players in their first in their first counter offer offered 53 million in concessions mls said we need between 100 and 110 million dollars more in addition to what they made last year players came back right down the middle 53 million we went to free agency we'll make some other concessions among the concessions the players made um there's going to be a new uh, broadcast contract that's going to come in place i believe in the 23 or 24 season in any case the uh, original collective bargaining agreement said that the players would get 25 percent of the profit uh from that uh, broadcast agreement now they've said okay we'll go to 12 and a half again Right down the middle. We're going. We're going to meet you right in the middle. They did want to increase free agency. They wanted it to go from currently, as players must be 24 years of age and have five years in the league. The uh, players union says 23 years of age, four years in the league. Doesn't seem like a big deal. Um, one thing that gets lost a little bit is um, the MLS uh, offer. They want to extend the CBA two years, as you mentioned, 
the players want to do it one year because of the World Cup. Again, meeting them right in the middle, right in the middle there is where the players are. Um, what, what does that mean? Well, what, when they extend that, that, for each year they extend it, that means another year um, that the increase in the, in the, in the salary cap will, will not grow to the extent it's supposed to. In other words, they negotiated a, a uh, stair-step uh, increase in that player pool. That will be frozen. That's tens of thousands of hundreds of thousands of dollars that the players leave on the table because that salary cap – the the uh, minimum salary, the the maximum the maximum salary, all those things change under the current collective bargaining agreement. Ownership has asked the players to put that on hold for two years. Players said one year. So if it goes on hold for even for one year, it, the players give up thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. So that is a concession. That's a big deal. But the thing that I really don't like is the threat of the lockout. There's no need to do that unless you intend to lock the players out. They did that last June, forced the players. They gave 48 hours for the players to come back, it, they extended that another day. So 72 hours for the players to agree to a take it or leave it offer. The players did it and they got the season in. Now the ownership comes back again and says, once again, we are going to lock you out. Uh, I'm told from people at the Players Association that the players have been warned or had been warned all winter to prepare for a lockout, that they thought it was heading this way. Um, I think the players are united. I think they felt like they really got hammered and 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 the, the hardball tactics were too much last June. I think the players are unified. Um, I don't think they're gonna cave this time. And I, and I think MLS showed their hand by by mentioning the lockout. It rather than just saying, Hey, you guys met us halfway, we're gonna continue these talks. This is all great. You know, they, they put the lockout out there from the start. And then today on the MLS webpage, I don't know if you saw this, there was kind of like a, a a primer about what's going on, what's happening, yep. what are these talks doing. It was so one-sided. It was um, basically the benevolent MLS leadership would like would like you comrades to come, you know, into the warm bosom of MLS and just take what we give you because we really care about your your well-being. There was none of these, none of the kind of nuanced things that we're talking about. That yes, the players have some demands too. None of that was recognized. It was all MLS knows best. Please trust us. Uh, I mean. It goes without saying, and I think there's some good people who work over at MLSsoccer.com, and I think that they write good, they they write well, um, they write stories, and they try to be as you know unbiased as possible. But the owner of that website, MLSsoccer.com, is Major League Soccer, is the owners of Major League Soccer. Um, you know, whenever they speculate on break, uh, on on transfers that involve players that are basically under Major League Soccer contracts. It's a huge conflict of interest. It's like, you know, it's it's like anybody's homepage, right? It's like going to LAGalaxy.com. If you're going to LAGalaxy.com, you obviously you understand who owns that and who writes that and where that sort of view is coming from. I think it was very obvious for MLSsoccer.com uh, that, that that article was, you know, sort of preached upon down high. It wasn't even an article. It was like frequently asked questions. But just understand that you were going to get that from them. I wouldn't expect it you know, any different. It's in the owner's best interest to put out as much PR in their favor as possible. I think it's interesting. The last sort of line in this statement is given the ongoing pandemic, the league will continue to pay the health insurance premiums for players and their families in the event of a lockout because they realized we're already looking like big giant a-holes, right? And so we better go ahead and and do this. We better not just cross the line completely, which is, oh, by the way, if we lock you out, all that medical that we were that you were going to get from the league, that's gone too. So, I mean, that well, was that was the minimum they they needed to do. 
Well, part of the reason was when they threatened to lock the players out in last June, that was when the pandemic was really heating up. I mean, yes, I know it's a lot worse then, but if you think or now, but if you think back to June, how everybody was really scared about what was going on, they threatened when when they announced the lockout, they said you will have no insurance, and that did not go over well to lock players and their families out without insurance when a pandemic is heating up. So they give them credit a little bit of credit there. They did learn from that. Um, and, uh, you know, they're going to not, not lock them out without insurance. But the idea that they're uh, even uh, mentioning that this is the third set of CBA talks that I've gone through with, with MLS. Um, and the one this last a year ago was the first one of those three in which a lockout or a strike was not uh, did not appear imminent. I mean, it, it the negotiations went very smoothly. Now we're back into two sets of lockouts. The reason I mention all that is the. The three times that I've been through this, MLS and its website have been silent. They never even acknowledged that labor talks were going on or that there was a CBA being negotiated. You know, you contrast that to the uh, NBA and Major League Baseball that talk about it and let everybody know what, what's going on with the negotiations. MLS didn't even talk about it. In fact, the last labor, labor negotiation six years ago, it was hours before kickoff on opening day, before an agreement was reached. And the MLS website was talking about opening day and be there for the game. And here's what time it starts. There might not have been a game. People were flying to games out of town. It was, it was really bad. And I mentioned that only to contrast it with now where now MLS is out negotiating in public, telling everybody what their positions are. I think they've really overplayed their hand. And to me, it, it reeks of somebody who is panicking. They're really uncertain about what they're doing. They're not sure about their position um, and it, it just it is so different from the way they've handled things in the past. Um, I just don't believe that they're confident in, in what they're trying to accomplish here. Yeah, it very well could be. Um, yeah, they, they do have uh, I, we need to say they do have um, some issues. They Don Garber said they lost a billion or lost a billion dollars that, that last year. That number is very squishy. Yes. We do know that the majority of their revenue comes from game day sales and sponsorships. We do know they lost hundreds of thousands of dollars. There's no question. Uh, or, and, and millions of dollars, but a billion, there's never been any reckoning for that. How did they come to that billion number? It appears to be lost revenue and potential increase in revenue. So it's a very squishy number. I wouldn't buy that number. Did they lose money? Yeah, they lost a lot. Are they going to lose more? Yes, because even Tony Fauci is saying we may not have fans in the stadiums until the end of the year, so they're going to continue to lose money. That is true. Um, but again, the players played through the pandemic. Um, you know, And one of the things that uh, MLS has said is, you know what? We're going to restore those pay cuts. We're going to pay everybody 100% of what they're supposed to get. Guess what? Their contracts, they're contractually obligated to do that. The players agreed to a pay cut last time. There's no agreement for that this time. So MLS is trying to make it look like they're the big guy because they're they're adhering to the contract that they signed. I mean, that's basically called obeying the law. Yeah, but um, but at the same time, once you once you go into the force majeure, then you're allowed to renegotiate the CBA. So then, when you renegotiate the CBA, you could implement to pay cuts again. I mean, I'm not. Listen, I am certainly not on the ownership side here, mostly because, and I've said it many times, is they're saying we can't possibly handle the losses that are coming this year, which is why we had to put in into effect the force majeure. Um, but at the same time, we can we can handle the losses. We'll just take the the plus on the back end. Really, they're saying they can handle the losses if they're willing to take the plus side on the last two years of the CBA. Uh, if you said, you know, we can't handle the losses, we need concessions for this year. 
That's not what they're saying. They're saying they can cover it. They're saying they can survive this year, but that they want the plus side of them eating eating more, um, you know, this season in that 2026 and 2027 season. So, uh, well, I am I am clearly on the side of the union, and I think supporters are. We saw a number of the independent supporters council came out um, wholeheartedly in favor of the players, the um, uh, other which, fan groups, which do, they too. usually do. I, we should be said that right. that's, that's usually the case. And and so not a surprise. Well, yeah, I mean, people cheer for the players, not, I the mean, owners. they cheer for the team, but, <laughs> but no one goes and says, you know, yeah, they don't cheer for the owners. I mean, they, they, they may cheer for their team, but you know what I mean? It's the players that the, people come to see the players, not to see the uniform. Um, and, and so I think most people are on the side of the players, but even saying, look, I'm not in the player's pocket. When you look at the negotiations, what I see repeatedly is the owner saying here's our here's what we want and here's your position and i see the players repeatedly coming in right in the middle we'll meet you halfway that's the start of a negotiation in my mind right i want a hundred dollars you want to you only get going to give me fifty dollars let's talk at 75 you know that that's watch pawn starts i say they do it all the time um you know let's meet in the middle right and it, rather than say, this is a good start of negotiations. Hey, players union, let's sit down and, and talk about this. What do they say? We're going to lock you out. We've done unanimously approved the lockout. That's not a negotiation. That's a hostage situation. And, and so we'll see how it plays out. Certainly uh, the fact that we've uh, we've gone in so hard on the owner, it means that this this thing's probably going to get done on Tuesday. They're going to sign an agreement and everybody's going to be happy and uh, you'll pay no They're attention. They're signing point. it right now and this pod is no good. That's, that's, prob- that's usually what happens. Not it's, that it's good anyway. It, it's the COG uh, recording curse for sure. Um, we're going to quickly go over because we got about mm, six, seven minutes uh, to finish some stuff up. But um, there is sort of this trend right now of Major League Soccer teams rightfully reducing the wage bill I, I think on in loaning players out um, in selling players outright uh, we've seen a bunch of loans go uh, just recently uh, Brian Reynolds from FC Dallas technically is on loan now to FC Dallas because Roma um, basically are, are, are putting him, putting him uh, or buying him this summer so it's an interesting sort of back and forth that they have but it looks like Brian Reynolds will be going to Roma uh, that's done Orlando City has uh, has loaned out uh, Daryl DK to uh, to championship side Barnsley, that's a short-term loan deal. Jordan Morris and Paul Ariola, both with uh, both uh, headed to Swansea, um, alone through the rest of the, the the season for both of them. And that's not the rest of the MLS season. The rest of the championship slash uh, you know um, uh, EPL season, the European season. So basically, in June uh, is whenever that all goes. Uh, so you're seeing a bunch of these loans go through. Uh, it's interesting. I was sort of thinking, Kevin, is there one player or a couple players that you could think of on the Galaxy who might benefit from sort of the short term loan that the Galaxy could move some some money off the books for for a half season and not even really a half season, but until June? Well, and, and a big part of that, when you look at a guy like Ariola coming back off a serious injury, is to get them playing time. And I think maybe, as you mentioned in, in the lead up of, before we came on the air, talking about you know, maybe the idea of a lockout in a delayed season is really worrying a lot of owners and a lot of players and agents, and they want to get their players, you know, uh, into game action as soon as possible. Um, they could have figured into all this. And when I look at the Galaxy, um, you know, again, we'll go back to Julian Araujo, um, a guy that needs playing time to develop. He's really on a fast track now, but he sort of needs to continue that. Um, you know, Sebastian Legetta is playing really well. I don't know that he necessarily needs that. In fact, I was thinking earlier today, 
this little break might be good for him. Right. Uh, you know, he played right through the end of the MLS season, then had a couple of, I think, three U.S. national team friendlies, two U.S. national team camps. He's probably uh, due a little bit of a blow now. I, I definitely think Araujo was a guy that could definitely use some playing time and a guy who could compete at a maybe second or third tier level right now in, in Europe. Um, I don't know if he could be in a in a first tier team and, and get a lot of playing time, but certainly that's the one guy that leaps to my mind. Who do you who were you thinking about? I was thinking about Jonathan Dos Santos, and it'll sort of lead into our our final thing as well that Jonathan did an interview with the LA Times um, and Espanol. Uh, you can find it; it was tweeted out, I believe, by the LA Galaxy and the LA Times. Uh, if you want to want to see that, it's in Spanish. Uh, I had I had a translator help me um, sort of take a look at this as well. But basically, uh, the reason that I was thinking Jonathan. Jonathan Dos Santos on sort of, you know, hey, maybe he goes down to Liga MX and plays a little bit. One is that we had talked a little bit about the LA Galaxy possibly moving Jonathan Dos Santos. And so getting him some exposure outside of MLS might increase his market value. Uh, he's coming off of a, an injury riddled season. And so getting in there and trying to play some games and getting some regular minutes and getting some time to sort of test his body out and do that, uh, you know, away from the LA Galaxy might make sense. Maybe that's a reason why you don't move him, Kevin, is that you want him to stay 100% healthy and you don't want him to get injured by somebody else, but that his hernia surgery really did sort of bother him. He was talking about um, on this. He, he said, um, you know, he he admits that last year was one of his worst, and so maybe him going on loan for, for half the season is a way to sort of uh, patch up that uh, that that personality uh, issue that maybe that uh, that fans think he has uh, that he goes and he works hard and then comes back to the LA Galaxy is ready and fit and, and ready to play um, so I, I sort of say that uh, but you know you go into this interview and look at Jonathan Dos Santos he talks about possibly even thinking about retiring Kevin just because he didn't know if he was ever going to be 100% again you do know how that is whenever you're sick like even if you just have a cold or something or, or you know you have the flu or something that, that's sort of not fun is you can't remember what it feels like to just feel normal. Like you, you're feeling every breath. You can feel you, your heartbeat is pounding in your head, all these things. And you're like, I just want to feel normal again. And it's sort of hard in that moment to gain the perspective of understanding, you know, will you ever feel normal again? And I think that was sort of uh, Jonathan Dos Santos here as well. So um, I, I don't know. For me, he just seems like he's a guy we've talked about people who need to have big, big seasons this year in order to sort of repair uh, some of the damage. Chicharito is obviously top of that list. Uh, I've said people Gonzalez, uh, Giancarlo Gonzalez needs a good season this year to repair sort of the, the negativity that's sort of around him. And for me, if I'm going to place money on a guy who's going to have a good year, I, for whatever reason, I'm going with people Gonzalez. I think he's going to have a good season this year. Uh, I think he's too good to play as bad as he has been. And I think a lot of that was, was down to some coaching um, and some position that he was put in so there's that but Jonathan Dos Santos is one of those guys for me Kevin that needs to come out and have an absolutely stellar year and you're talking about really what could be the last full year of his contract if it was indeed a true contract of five years uh, it would expire you know this next summer so not this upcoming summer in 2021 but it would expire in 22 of uh, of next summer um, so but both those guys both those guys too are looking at Big, big years. You know, on the back end, uh, it's September, October, November, eight World Cup qualifiers, Jonathan Dos Santos for Mexico, people yep. for Costa Rica, and then two more in January. Um, and that's at the end of the MLS season. Um, you know, they don't get a break. They're going to go straight from they're going to be, you know, 25, 26 games in the MLS season. When those things start, it's going to be a heck of a year. Um, it, it and you know they they're gonna obviously want to play really well for club but for country as well this is a world cup qualifier
Yeah, it is. So, so you're right. Maybe it's going to be too much. There's, we've talked about schedule congestion before. I think guys like Julian Araujo, Sebastian Legette, Jonathan Del Santos, possibly people Gonzalez, um, you could get into those schedule congestion uh, issues. And so uh, definitely a, a good point. I thought it was interesting. Jonathan Dos Santos in this interview as well um, said, was talking about Chicharito Hernandez and said, uh, basically last year was not what, you know, uh, what Chicharito expected of himself um, and that Jonathan has talked to him in the past few days and he's focused talked about how he will uh, help with the goals and 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 defensively work. Uh, he's very motivated, Chicharito is, and discussed how Hernandez also went through things in life that sometimes are out of one's control and wishes him the best. Now, we've certainly talked about some personal issues, and there's been a lot of theories, and I don't want to um, you know, theorize any more about that, but certainly Chicharito has been focused in this offseason, has at least been pressing the PR game real hard on his Instagram and all of his stories there. Um, so it, it's safe to say, uh, at least right now, he understands that last year was a total disappointment for him uh, and that he has to come back and, and prove something. So Jonathan Dos Santos says that it, it sort of looks like that was uh, that was well on the Instagram, he, he was in the snow. He was in the snow today. I don't know where Chicharito was, but it was cold. We have to talk about one thing before we get out of here, and it's it's a partial thing because I don't have answers on it, and it, it certainly is interesting. But um, we had uh, Didi Triore, who is and was, had his option picked up in November by the LA Galaxy, um, is possibly on his way out with the LA Galaxy. Uh, it, we have a very cryptic sort of message. Uh, and I, I'll be honest, I don't follow DD Triore on Instagram all the time. And so I can't tell you, but he basically all the posts are gone. There's only one post. Uh, the post says, no problem. They will regret it one day. Um, and then if you go ahead and look in his bio, he is no longer says that he's with the LA Galaxy um, in that as well. And so there's a chances here that Didi Traore is out. Now, the 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 weird sort of just for me, whenever I look at that, I say, OK, that doesn't make a lot of sense. And the reason it doesn't make a lot of sense to me, Kevin, is that a guy with a contract isn't easily let go. Like you, you either have to transfer him, you have to trade him, you have to move him, you have to make things happen in order for you to sort of still abide by the contract or you have to buy the contract out, but I doubt the LA Galaxy would spend their one-time sort of buyout on DD Triore, or it's not enough money and they're going to buy it out and still take the cap hit, Kevin, with, with all that as well. But they had a chance to not pick up his option in November. So it's a really weird set of events. I reached out to the LA Galaxy. I haven't heard anything back, but I wanted to at least mention it right now that for for whatever reason, we're sort of leaning in that direction that DD Triore could no longer be with the LA Galaxy. And I just wanted to give you that heads up. I have nothing official. We will get official. So follow on Instagram or on Twitter. Um, and, and hopefully we'll have an answer on that in the next you know 24 hours or so and we can sort of give you a better idea but anyway just very interesting it would mean that the la galaxy by the way would now have three internationals out of eight spots on there and 22 of 23 or 22 of 30 roster spots if dd Traore was uh was moved off so i i don't know that's sort of where we're at I, i'm looking at uh at uh, his instagram page right now as we're talking uh, at nine o'clock on monday night and that, that post has been up eight hours and his, the comment section on that is now filled with a lot of people saying, going to miss you, we'll miss you, make the front office regret. So um, whatever is going on, a lot of people are believing uh, the story gone. that he is on his way yeah. out of the earth. Yeah, it's gone from the galaxy. By the way, how many players from the U.S. are in Europe now? Uh, 54 whenever Brian Reynolds goes. 
I knew you wanted to do that. That's why I sort of yeah. set you up for that one. Yeah, no, I just, I think it's kind of, that's crazy to me. That's crazy talk for me, Kevin. Like, I just, I never thought I'd see that many Americans uh, making a difference in Europe. And MLS has sort of become like the bargain buy. It's like not a lot of risk. We're not going to spend a ton of money, but we can get some quality out of players there, which again, we've sort of said MLS would become a selling league. I just didn't think it would happen, you know, in 2020, 2021. Uh, I thought it would take a little bit longer. So anyway, that's sort of where uh, where everything sits right now with the LA Galaxy. I'll say that once again to Galaxy fans, Kevin, uh, patience, patience, patience. Just let this come. This is going to happen. It's going to be a long, long uh, 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 off season, it feels like. Um, I would say even if there's a lockout, it might be more ceremonial than anything else for me, Kevin, just because I sit there and say, you still have time. So even if everything, if it does go to a lockout, you know, on uh, this, that, that on Thursday night um, at 1159, uh, I, I'm not necessarily concerned for the season, at least not right, right off the bat. But um, it, it's just interesting times around major league soccer with COVID and everything else that's going on with the galaxy trying to rebuild a brand new coach. I mean, it just makes your head spin, but uh, certainly it's not boring. Let's put it that way. Well, here's another thing to throw into that. If if MLS was not thinking about the possibility of a of a lockout and perhaps it, it being a lengthy one, how come they haven't released the schedules yet? Yeah, I mean, we normally we have a schedule. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We we usually understand that there's going to be a schedule coming out within this time frame, and we haven't seen that. Plus, but I mean, everything did slide back about a month. But you're right. We should be we should be having it, and you know they're holding it because they don't know what's going on. So. Is what it is. Anything else you want to talk about or can we get out of here? No, uh, you got your 54. I wanted to make sure you got that in. You were all excited about it earlier today. So I mean, it's not like it's it's not like I came up with that stat or anything like that. I absolutely didn't. No, I, I stole it. it. You liked it. Yeah, I, I did like it. All right. If you're looking for Mr. Kevin Baxter on Twitter, it's at KBaxter11. Head on over to LATimes.com for all of Kevin's articles. Uh, always some great stuff there. And make sure you subscribe to his new newsletter as well. LATimes.com. All right. If you're looking for me on Twitter, it's at jgesman, J-G-U-E-S-M-A-N, and of course, at Galaxy Podcast. Uh, head on over to cornerofthegalaxy.com for all of our articles, all of our podcasts. Any of our information is right there, and we'll try to keep you update, up to date for the rest of this. All right. For Mr. Kevin the Panda Baxter, I'm Josh Pato Gesman, and you've been listening to Corner of the Galaxy from the Box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Have a great one, everybody. You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy podcast on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy Podcast. And be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. Fans, we thank you for listening, and we ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again. Until then, I'm Michael Araujo. And on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, goodbye, everybody.